Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Strange Matters podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss all that is mysterious, bizarre, and unexplained. My name is Eric, and I will be your host for this episode. In this special episode, I am excited to announce that we are joined by our special guest, Stephanie Craig. Stephanie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So Stephanie is a fellow podcaster and a history buff and has her own website, which is www.historyfangirl.com. So Stephanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a travel and history blogger. I started my podcast over the summer, and I basically what I do is I travel full-time to places that are historic places, and then I write about them, and now I do interviews with uh, experts about them, so like, for example, the Roman Forum or the Acropolis, and or places like Monticello in the U.S., but I have like a soft spot for still, and so last year when I um, was on my cross-country road trip, I made an effort to go back and see it again. And I wrote an article for my website, but it doesn't really fit my podcast, but I want people to know about it. So I'm so excited to talk about it with you guys because it's so much better for your podcast. Awesome. Very cool. And yeah, that sounds like a really exciting and spontaneous lifestyle. So we're <laughs> we're definitely very excited to have you here. And thanks for the introduction. So I guess today we'll go ahead and get started as uh, Stephanie already mentioned, she is the expert on a legend known as the Gates of Hell in Stull, Kansas. So Stull, Kansas, by my research, is basically the very definition of a small town. So from the outside, it appears to be a, a quaint, peaceful town with just a few residents and just a handful of buildings. However, legends of the evil that exists in Stull reach far and wide. And if you believe the legends of Stull, you're aware that it is anything but quaint and peaceful. For example, the original name of the town was purportedly Skull, but was changed to Skull as a cover-up of the fact that the area was saturated with black magic. Now, not only this, but in Stull there exists a cemetery. And some cemeteries are simply haunted. However, the Stull Cemetery takes things to an all-new level, as legend has it that it contains one of seven gateways to hell. So Stephanie has visited this town and spent a little bit of the time exploring the area. So Stephanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience and give us uh, some background on the gates of hell. Yeah, so I... I'm from Oklahoma, but I first heard about it when I went to the University of Kansas. And as you noted in your research when we were talking about this, uh, the University of Kansas is a central locus for a lot of the information about this about the cemetery. So um, when I was there, the first time I was there was at probably 2004 or 2005. I was in college, and I don't remember exactly. But because I was from Oklahoma, I hadn't heard this legend before, and it was before the internet was really huge and I was never like somebody that that really looked into legends and occult things and so but all of my friends at Kansas were all local and so they were like yeah there's this town and it's it's you know it's one of the gates of hell and everyone said it kind of half serious half joking where like you could tell that they were trying to be cool but like if you push them they wouldn't want to go there wow. like in the middle of the night type of thing and then um one day we were we in Kansas. You do a lot of driving around for fun because there's not that much <laughs> to do, 
And so uh, we used to go driving, like we used to go country driving all the time. Like it was just something we would do every weekend. But we never went to Stull. We would go to like Lake Clinton or Lone Star, like other places around there that are all close to Stull, but we never would drive through Stull. And you would think if it's this like local legend that nobody really believes and you're driving around every weekend for fun, wouldn't people just go there? But I, I wasn't particularly interested in figuring it out myself. And then one day my friend was like, let's go to Stull. And it really is like right on the road between Lawrence and Topeka. So it's really, if you, it's not hard to miss if you, if you're trying to go there and you kind of have to go out of the way to avoid it where we were driving around. And so we went and it's, super ominous in that it's there are like literally no people I've never seen another person there like I've been there twice now so I went with my friends and then we never went back like we didn't go at midnight we went in the middle of the day saw no people I mean it it stalls like three buildings it's not huge but I still I saw no evidence of people and then we never went back so it's like one of those things where they say they don't believe it but they there's something weird that they won't admit um and then last summer so, so that was like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago. So then last summer, before I started traveling internationally, I did a big cross-country road trip from Philadelphia to Oklahoma because I was going to drop some stuff off of my parents before I left the country. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm definitely going to make sure that I go to Lawrence. And I don't have any friends from college that are still in the town, so it's not like I was going to go see people. But I was like, I really want to go back to Stull and take pictures of this place. So I went, and there was, again, there were no there were no people there. Like, none. Like, there's a no trespassing sign on the cemetery. There's a building across the street that, like, says Stull. So a lot of times the pictures you'll see of the town are this building just because it happens to have the town name on it. There's, like, another little church and then there are some houses. I actually got lost in a person's yard. And you would think there are so few people around that like me getting lost in their yard, someone would notice if there was someone around. But I saw no one. Like I still saw no one. It was crazy. Um, and uh, then I kind of just like hightailed it out of there. I was like, I don't want to stick around. <laughs> I'm not like a, I'm not a person that tends to believe in stuff like the, like like I listen to your podcast and I love it, but I don't usually think, oh, I think that's true unless it's like a serial killer episode or something. Usually I just, I think like, oh, that's so fun and historic and interesting. Um, but this like totally creeps me out. <laughs> and I have, I have friends who are like scientists who said that they had classes in college where they had to like go to the cemetery and do samples and stuff. And they're like, they don't remember weird things happening either, but they are so spooked by the experience still. Wow. That's, that's really Interesting. Um, I can imagine that driving through this small town and the combination of the the emptiness, the lack of people, in combination with its reputation, makes for a pretty spooky visit. Oh yeah, completely. Especially because other people online will say like, "Oh, there's cops that come by. Oh, there's like townspeople try to scare you away," and that might be true for them. But for me, it was like stepping into a ghost town. Wow. Um, and speaking of uh, uh, spooky rec- reputation, I remember reading on your blog that it's believed that the Pope actually refuses to fly his plane over Stull because the area is thought to contain, you know, one of the seven gates of hell, and he just didn't want to fly over, quote, unholy ground. Yeah. <laughs> and now the Pope at the time that I originally heard that was the same Pope, so it's Pope John Paul II. People say that he, like, rerouted his plane when he was flying from Colorado east 
and that he would not fly over it. Now, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's a legend. I don't know if that's something that really happened. I just know that everyone in Kansas kind of believes that that's what happened. And I also don't know if it was just that Pope or if it's like the Vatican holds it as like a policy. If it was just like John Paul II didn't want to fly over it. But like, so when I was in school, he also, he died when I was in school. And so not only did I hear that beforehand, but the night that he died, that was one of the things that people talked about. Um, so I guess we'll um, start off with a little bit of a, a history about the area. So oddly enough, bizarre and unusual occurrences have been linked to the area for, I think, over like a century now. Um, but most of this information wasn't really published in print until the 70s. And there was an article that was featured in the University of Kansas student paper that detailed various strange incidents. And Stephanie, you had mentioned that a lot of the information kind of comes from the University of Kansas and the, the students there. And as you had sort of alluded to, a lot of the stories behind this um, this mystery are sort of just hearsay. A lot of it comes from the students. I've heard a few different versions of the legend, and I've also heard a few different versions of the start of the legend. So the legend is specifically that this this town, so this town was was founded during the 1850s, and the original residents of the town were like Pennsylvania Dutch that had moved from Pennsylvania. There's another place in Pennsylvania that's called the Seven Gates of Hell. I don't know if they're related, but it wouldn't surprise me because a lot of early Pennsylvania stuff is either Quaker or Pennsylvania Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this town is very, very close to the Kansas border where the border wars were taking place um, during the time right before the Civil War. So when it was founded was around the time of the border war. And then we had the Civil War. So the town is old and the cemetery is old. Like by the, there's a map I found online. So like by the 1920s, the cemetery is like, the map is only like four blocks because this town is so small, it's not even officially a town. But the cemetery is like very clearly labeled as like one of the four quadrants of this map. So the town had been around for a long time, um, but it was never very big. And so by the 1920s, a lot of the original residents' families had passed away and they hadn't replaced themselves. So there were lots of towns nearby that were much bigger. So Topeka is about 30 minutes away. Lawrence is about 30 minutes away. There's lots of other places where people were moving to. They were not moving to Stahl. And so, but the original Pennsylvania Dutch that had lived there had built a really beautiful church because they were very devout. So you have this really beautiful church with this great uh, church cemetery around it. So the church came before the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And you, but you don't have people in the town really going to that church anymore. And so by the 1920s, the church wasn't operating anymore. And that's when they say that people from, who worship the devil or occult members or general pagans started using the church and the churchyard for rituals because there were no Christians in the area anymore using the church and that that is what caused the attention of the devil and either the devil came met one of the church women fell or one of the occult women fell in love with her and they either had a baby and the baby died and that's why he keeps coming back and built the gateway or she died and he keeps coming back to visit her and he that's why he built the gateway so he could come back and then either 
if if it was the if it was his love that died, the child is just a werewolf in the woods, which is super weird. And, and if it was the if it was the baby that died, then he's coming to visit the baby. So that's the legend. Um, there's a lot of like offshoots and other things associated with it. Um, the gateway itself is supposed to open up at midnight on Halloween. So either it's like a seal that breaks, or the devil comes back up the stairs himself. And if um, you're there, when it opens up at midnight, it's supposed to like pull you in and you're supposed to feel like you're being dragged in and you don't come back. Wow. Wow. That's pretty scary. I can imagine that would attract um, a lot of attention from the students. And <laughs> yeah. And as I mentioned, the the paper, which is kind of, you know, where all these rumors and, and sort of speculative statements grew from the the paper um actually states that you know the area is haunted by legends of diabolical and supernatural happenings it goes on to claim that while many of the students learned the legends from their parents and grandparents many of the students actually did have some strange encounters of their own including one student who um, was on the property and was grabbed by an unseen you know kind of apparition um and then several others who claim to go on the property and experience memory loss and stuff like that. Yeah, people say that if you, like, so some other, like, common occurrences people say will be, like, people lose time. So they'll remember everything that happened, but it will feel like it was, like, five minutes, but it'll have been two hours. Or, like, batteries will stop working. So, like, if you take a flashlight, all of a sudden your batteries won't work. Um, and there's other things that people say happen, but... There's also some real, actual, strange things that happened in the town, too, in, like, the early 20th century that are part of probably why these legends grew, if it's not actually true. Uh, so, like, in the early 1900s, there was a boy whose father accidentally burned him to death. Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Go on. Yeah. And then, well, so I don't know more than just that it was his father and that his father never really got over the grief. Because mm -hmm. it's a very small town. It's not, I mean, everyone knew the little boy, but there aren't, like... This happened before people were really interested in like the occult side of the town, so it's not it's not like people know all the details. But another, um, there's a tree that used to be in the graveyard that they actually cut down in '98 to get people to stop visiting it. And uh, people would say like in the 19th century, like they would hang witches there. And then at the a few months after the little boy died, that a man was found hanging there, but nobody believes that he committed suicide, just that he was found hanging in the same tree and no townsperson would have done that to themselves they did not view this as like like they weren't going to hang themselves in the same place that people believed witches were hung so so that they believe something happened to him that caused him to get there but it wasn't like a lynching like that it was like an occult supernatural thing happened to him and I think both of these strange incidents kind of occurred near a road known as the Devil's Road, and it, the road itself doesn't actually exist today, but supposedly, if you look on a few of the older maps of the area, it'll show up there. Um, so needless to say, the area has a pretty checkered past as far as mysterious deaths that could somehow be connected to the Devil. Well, and also just why did this town never take off? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's weird to me in the first place. Like, why did a town full of settlers that's so close to so many other places that did thrive? Why? Why did this one not? Why is this one now basically a ghost town with like 10 people? So I think if one were to ask the residents of the area 
about some of this supernatural stuff, you know, back in the 70s. I think many of them, for the most part, would be pretty offended by some of the claims and really didn't want to bring the negative notoriety to their town. Um, and I think there was a pastor of uh, of one of the of the church um, right across from the cemetery that stated the stories were nothing more than the invention of the university students. Um, but, you know, naturally people at this point were just so engrossed by these stories that um, one night, I think it was March 20th on 1978, um, 150 gatherers, you know, camped out on the area to await the arrival of the devil. And as legend has it, the devil comes through the portal um, twice a year, like you said, once on Halloween and then once on the spring equinox. And on that night, March 20th, um, unfortunately, everybody showed up except for the devil. And you know, <laughs> despite this fact, the legends continued to grow and it became, you know, stories became more terrifying and uh, even a little bit harder to believe as the decades went on. Yeah, and that, that, that that's what's creeped me out so much about the Tommy and Ifty is like you all, everything I'd read about it in in the 10 years between when I, the first time I went and the second time I went was that there were like people there to make sure that you're not there. And it's like, but I literally was just standing there by myself, like completely alone. I'm sure it was a very spooky feeling to be out there. Yeah, and I don't, I like cemeteries. I mean, I don't like cemeteries in like a weird way, but I think they're kind of beautiful. And I t- I'm an amateur photographer, so I take a lot of photos of cemeteries. So they don't usually creep me out, but this one totally creeps me out. So... Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your favorite legend is that comes from Still? Obviously, there's the whole, like, I kind of like the idea that the devil is going back to visit his love's graveyard. Like, because wouldn't, if wouldn't she be in hell with him? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So maybe she was, like, a really good person and is in heaven or something. Like, <laughs> I, I like, I just like that. But the... There's another, there's a twist on the legend that I hadn't heard anywhere else until I was researching this last year, and I'm going to read it because I've, I've, I've never heard anybody from Kansas tell this to me, and I've never, I've only seen it in one place, but I, I think it's really beautiful, so let me find it. Yeah, I think it's funny you said that. It's kind of like opposites attract, I guess, so. <laughs> it would make a really great movie. Yeah. <laughs> So, in the town's earliest years, well before the Civil War, there were several families that lived there. A minister's daughter had fallen madly in love with a boy from nearby, but her heart was broken when he was discovered to have impregnated a local townsgirl. The boy and the townsgirl were married, and the reverend's daughter saw them happy together, and just her hatred grew and grew and grew, and that eventually boiled over. So, after the couple was born... Uh, the minister's daughter went over to their house and pretended to go visit the baby. And the the couple was really happy to see her. But when she saw the child, she slit their throats and then buried them in the basement of the church. And that's a, a different version of why there's so much evil in that church. And that's from the very beginning of the town. But I haven't seen that anywhere else, but I just think that that's crazy. Jeez, talk about overreacting. <laughs> One specific story that I came across was of two young men who visited the cemetery late at night, and they were just kind of meandering around, and suddenly the wind began to blow violently. So fearing the worst, the men ran back to their car, which they had left parked on the side of the highway, and to their shock and awe, the car had somehow been moved to the other side of the highway and was now facing the other direction. 
Um, so I like this story because it's it's not so far of a stretch. Um, it's just kind of a strange, bizarre thing that happened to two guys without any sort of explanation. So it, it's like kind of believable a little bit, but in reality, it's just kind of a, yeah. a horrifying thing. That would be so creepy because you would be like, yeah, you'd be like, did somebody do this to me? Right. Like, is this a prank? Right. Like, there's a lot of theories that a lot of this stuff is like fraternity pranks gone wrong. But if then then it just like took a hold and like got like it got too big for the fraternity to handle. And now it's just an urban legend. But at the same time, it's like that kind of stuff would totally freak me out and I would not be able to handle it. And I think. The other interesting part about this story is the this mysterious wind. And others have encountered a similar wind. And one story was actually occurred inside the church itself, and the wind was so powerful that it knocked this guy to the floor and kind of pinned him to the floor and prevented him from even being able to stand up. Oh, whoa. That's crazy. I haven't heard that one yet. That's That's crazy. So, I mean, you know how the internet is. Anybody can make up a story and put it out there, but it just kind of adds to the uh, the notoriety. Oh, I think some people on the internet are just making stuff up, but I also think some people don't have a reason to and are like, and it's not like they're going to get anything from it. They're an anonymous username and they're just saying like, what happened? Doesn't mean that it ex- you can figure out exactly what caused it, but that's what they experienced. I like to, you know, stretch things a little bit and explore some more of the like outrageous theories sometimes. I was wondering if this could be related to kind of the current state of the church as in October of 2002, it unexpectedly collapsed. And currently, all that exists today are ruins. So my theory was that, you know, maybe this this mysterious wind that's been reported multiple times in the area was kind of summoned by the devil in an attempt to knocked down the church. Um, And I remember reading a neighbor of the cemetery named Jesse Troxell said the west wall of the church had caved in about two weeks prior to the October 2002 incident that I'll let Stephanie run with. But after the windstorm blew through the area, it had knocked down the west wall of the church. And she said she lay down to take a nap on a Friday and the church was still standing. Then a few hours later, she woke up and the limestone church lay in complete ruins. So, yeah. So, the one day they just woke up and the church was gone. And the tree had been cut down in 1998, the Devil's Tree, and because they were trying to get people to stop visiting the property. So, people really thought, well, maybe the owner, whose name is Major Weiss, maybe they, the owner ordered the church to be torn down in the same way. Maybe it's not safe anymore and people are still coming in, so why don't they try to knock it down? But people called him, like the Lawrence Journal World call him, which is like the the local paper of record, called him to verify whether or not he had ordered the church to be torn down and two other people that are also associated with him. And they all said no. And he had said yes, he'd ordered the tree to be cut down. But he says no, he did not order the church to be cut down. It just got demolished and nobody knows why or how. And it's... It's not the, It doesn't seem like the sort of thing where somebody can just drive up a bulldozer, demolish a structure, and then just drive the bulldozer away and, and make a clean getaway. You know, it, it seems like there would be people there to witness it if somebody had brought heavy machinery in to bring a building down. Oh, yeah, there's no way. Because the way that the, the cemetery is, so 
like you can still see the foundation of the church when you go there. So the way that the cemetery is, is there are graves all around it. And these graves range in years over about 100 years because there was never very many people in the town. So there aren't that many graves, but they span a very long period of time and they kind of are spread out everywhere. So there's no path to the church that doesn't lead through gravestones. And there's also a big fence around it. So if you wanted to get in a big truck, you'd have to go through the front gate, which is right off the highway. And there's no way that you could get to the church without hitting a gravestone with something big enough to knock the church down. Like if you want to do it with men, you'd have to do it kind of a little bit at a time, like standing there maybe with like smaller equipment. Like you couldn't knock it down in 30 minutes and get out. There's just no way. So it, that totally creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's certainly a, a little bit hard to explain. So as I was saying earlier, my kind of theory is probably a little bit of a stretch, but I think the, the devil might have had something to do with it. Um, and it could be related to that that hurricane-like wind that's been reported so many times in the area. Well, the other thing, too, is like, so I told you I got lost on a property. So I got lost on a property right next door. There is literally a house right next door. There's no way that somebody home wouldn't have seen what hap- was happened. And like you said earlier, the townspeople do not love this story because people just come in and are really annoying trying to figure out what's going on at the church. So if somebody had seen them knocking the church down... They would say, yes, I saw someone knocking the church down to get the story of it being the devil that knocked it down to debunk that. And they don't do that, which is why I don't think I think now I think there may be other explanations for it besides the devil, too. But there's definitely nobody just came in and in 30 minutes knocked a church down and left. So, uh, yeah, I think it all just kind of adds to the legend and lore of the area that, like you said, the, the townspeople probably don't even want in the first place. No, which is weird because you'd think how much money they could make if they just sold, like, sweatshirts. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. They're really missing <laughs> out on an opportunity to capitalize. Well, there's no, there's no like, still memorabilia anywhere. And, and I imagine the town is just so small that nobody wants to go outside of it and, and, like, do that. But, like, a little table across the street would make some money. So, Stephanie, do you have any actual strange occurrences that you'd like to share? So stuff rather than just the hearsay or legends that have actually occurred in Stull? So aside from the two deaths, so what I did was I went through and I reached out to people that said they'd been there and I asked them, like, what did you, like, see? So it's like, it's not just like an anonymous person. It's like, you're telling me what happened. And some people said nothing happened. But one guy uh, sent me this weird quote. Uh, Jason Keller told me that he went there and that he threw a bottle against the church that did not break. He said the bottles did not break when I tossed it against the wall, but I was a pitcher in college and in the pros. And he said that this was like a few decades ago when he went. He said he peed on the devil street and sparks flew out of it. So, And then he would see random shadows on the walls. And then the last time that he was there was in 2000. So this was before the church collapsed, but he'd been there before and after the tree got cut down. So I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but he says it. He was like 100% this happened. Um, uh, another guy told me like nothing happened. One guy told me like that he's definitely a believer, but he didn't want to share with me what had happened, which was a little bit interesting. Wow. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I mean, I know I'm a stranger on Twitter, but like, tell me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Um, so I told you, like, people – so then some online accounts of people who go there because this is one of those places that people will go and then write up their account of what happened for other people that want to go. 
some of those accounts say uh, one guy said he found the place covered in animals blood but there was no like large animal around just tire tracks um another guy said that when he got there he heard gunshots like somebody was trying to scare him away and um someone said when he got there the sky started to like rumble like thunder but it was not about to storm it just like started thundering like unrelated to actual weather and then um last year there was one going around that was this picture and you may have seen it online um after an earthquake there was this picture that went around kansas that um where the parking lot had kind of like opened up like hell was opening up and uh people said it was stalled but that one was not stalled there's no parking lot install that's big enough for uh this parking lot to exist in it but that just shows you how like strong this legend is and that it is still going and that people in kansas will like if anything weird happens they say they don't believe it and then if anything weird happens they're like oh it must be about stall yeah to to kind of add to the first story you shared about the bottles i have read that that the legend is that if somebody were to take two bottles and hold them in the formation of an inverted cross, it would be impossible to break them against the walls of the church. So I'm sure um, the gentleman that shared that information with you was aware of this legend and went in there to try it for himself. So that's... Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. And Stephanie, what about you? When you visited the area, did you have any sort of strange things happen to you or any strange feelings? So just the fact that it was like, that I was like lost, GPS couldn't really find it. Um, the first time I went, I went with locals who could show me, but last year I went by myself and um, I got lost on these people's property and I still didn't see anyone. Like I just didn't see a single person. No cars passed by, even though the cemetery is literally off this small highway. It's not a big highway, but you literally just turn off of this small like country highway I saw no cars in the town. I just saw no one, which just totally freaked me out. So I took a bunch of pictures, and then I kind of got out of there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, needless to say, all this publicity has attracted a lot of attention, you know, from people who are eager to say they, you know, spent the night in this infamous haunted cemetery or, or what have you. The local residents naturally have started i can imagine to get a little bit irritated with trespassers you know walking all over the graves of their deceased family members um so as you stated earlier there's a chain link fence that's been put up around the area and a very obvious no trespassing sign and you know regular police patrols Uh, yeah and the known trespassing sign is like really big and the gates of the cemetery are locked so like i didn't go in the cemetery i took pictures from the outside because it's a chain link fence but if you wanted to get over the fence, you could if you were like, it'd be easy to climb it. I just was like, not really into trespassing on this the middle of a road trip and like getting like thrown in jail like one month before I'm supposed to leave for <laughs> Europe. Like that didn't sound like a good idea. But um, yeah, like the I mean, there's a huge sign that's like, do not <laughs> come in. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good of you. I can imagine most um, most of our listeners will probably appreciate your respect for the area. Uh, But yeah, I I, kind of tend to agree with you. It always feels like when I investigate a a haunted setting, nothing of interest usually happens to me, unfortunately. Uh, But I always do kind of carry with me a strange feeling, sort of like, I don't know, sort of like that feeling when I feel like I'm being watched or something. Yeah, it it was the same feeling like when I went to the Tower of London or when I went to, um, which is where like, uh, most people probably know where the Tower of London is, but it's where... um, 
a lot of people were beheaded, including like Anne Boleyn. Or like anywhere I've been where like a famous terrible thing happened kind of gets that same feeling. Not like a sad thing, but just like a terribly terrible thing that's also like infamous mm-hmm. kind of gets you like um, I imagine it's how I'll feel when I finally make it to Salem. The most people, most of your listeners may not have heard of Stoll Kansas specifically or know the specific legend, but it is out there in the popular culture. So there's a scene in Supernatural that is in the Stoll Cemetery. I don't know if they mentioned it or not. I didn't watch it, but like uh, Supernatural is that show that I guess it's kind of about. I don't really understand what it's about, but there's <laughs> there's an episode of Supernatural that took place there. Um, it was on a cover of an Urge Overkill album, which is like that came out. I think it, the album came out in the '90s. Um, it was like the setting of a tur- one of the Turbulence sequels. Um, there's a terrible movie about it, like really, really bad from 2013 called uh, Nothing Left to Fear. Is about this legend, and then CBS all, CBS News named it as one of like America's 36 most haunted places. Wow, wow, 36. That's not bad, honestly. I can yeah. imagine there are a lot of a lot of uh, people in for the running for that title. And I just Googled nothing left to fear, and it definitely looks pretty cheesy, but I'll probably still check it out at some point. <laughs> if you love, like, really bad slasher films, it's like, I want to say that Slash from Guns N' Roses is, like, associated with it somehow, but I don't, I don't know. I think he maybe produced it or something. All right, so um, Stephanie kind of wrap things up why don't you tell us a little about a little bit about your personal theories of how still kansas might relate to gillian flynn's dark places and tell us a little bit about what that is yeah so most people have read or seen the movie gone girl so gillian flynn also she's she's from kansas and she went to the university of kansas um she also wrote a novel called dark places now gone girl takes place in missouri Dark Places takes place in Kansas. And one of the subplots of it, because it takes place in the 80s, is that um, it's all about like Satan worshippers and the satanic panic that happened in the 80s when everyone's mom thought that all the teenagers were worshiping the devil. And like that totally freaked people out. So before I go into the, like my actual theory and what happens in the book, I'll just read what she said about the book. She said, The other thing that interested me growing up in the 80s was the satanic panic. There was this belief that Satanism and devil worship was commonplace, that your next door neighbor could be a devil worshiper, your preschool teacher might be involved in some sort of ritualistic abuse. People were put on trial and going to jail just because they had said something. It really was sort of a witch hunt. There was always some warehouse on the edge of town where everyone believed Satan worship was happening and sacrifices were being made and that sort of thing. That has always fascinated me. So she... It's very clearly said that like this time growing up in Kansas, there was like an there was, you know, this was happening nationwide. But in Kansas, this edge was like strong enough to influence her as a novelist. And then she went to the University of Kansas where um, we went to the same writing program. But I'm uh, uh, I want to say I'm I'm like probably five to eight years younger than her. So we weren't there at the same time. But she definitely would have heard these legends. And in. The, in her book, there's a scene, and it's the only scene, so her whole book takes place in rural Kansas, but there's a scene that takes place, and she says very specifically, right outside of Lawrence, where there's an actual devil-worshipping ceremony, and, and they um, sacrifice an animal. And I 
100% believe that she's referencing Stoll. She just doesn't reference it by name. And that she set that scene in a field that's very close to the cemetery. And even though she doesn't say, like, it's in Stoll, because she probably doesn't know that people know where Stoll is, because most people don't. But most people know where Lawrence is, or at least have heard of the University of Kansas. And so just referencing that it's nearby is kind of close enough. Um, but I can't find a quote that confirms that, but I just know, and that's actually part of why I got reinterested in the legend was reading the book and remembering having been, having visited myself and thinking like, what kinds of things did it inspire? Like this legend might've inspired people to actually do terrible things there, even if the legend isn't true in the first place. And I would not want to come across people doing stuff in the name of the legend, even wow. if the legend isn't true. Like, that's really scary. <laughs> oh, man, that is that is really freaky. Um, yeah, and this this isn't a book that I've actually read, but, um, you know, now given that we have all this great information on Still Kansas, I'll definitely have to check it out and see for myself. It's I really enjoyed the book. I think Gone Girl is definitely her best book, um, but this book is interesting. This book is... Um, it's kind of the overlaps between what happens when people fear the occult and what actual terrible things happen and, and kind of the, how they are and aren't related. Cool. Stephanie, do you have anything else to add? No, I just, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real honor. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of strange matters podcast. And thanks again to Stephanie for coming on. Um, be sure to check out Stephanie's blog at historyfangirl.com. And if you would like to reach us to send feedback, suggestions, or further discussion of this episode's topic, please reach us at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can comment, listen, and download our episodes at strangematterspodcast.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please rate us and leave a review. It really helps us to promote the podcast. Until next time, everybody, take it easy.